do I really want to back it up? Or do I really have to? Or Microsoft says I don't have to. You could restore it all. Hi, and welcome to Backup Central's Restore It All podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup. And with me, I have my newfound Zoom expert, Prasanna Malianti. How's it going, Prasanna? Good, Curtis. I don't know if I'm an expert, considering I just had lunch with a friend, and apparently his company and he's used more products of Zoom than I ever have, so... Really? Yeah. <laughs> they have multiple products? I just, have- I just know... That- that's, just the that's one what product. I thought too. Yeah, it's just Zoom video, but apparently they also do like Zoom conference room, Zoom webinar, Zoom phone, Zoom chat, Zoom on demand, where you could pay, like you could host classes that other people pay to attend. Oh, yeah. I like that. Maybe I'll do that. Yeah. Oh, you should do that about barbecue, brisket making. <laughs> we, uh, how to cut brisket. How to cut brisket. Yes. How to cut brisket. Um, the easy way, by the way, is to just separate the point from the flat. If you're doing it at home, just do that. Just separate (laughs) the point from the flat. A lot of people actually separate the point from the flat during or before cooking. Before, If you do that, then you get a beautiful, you get a beautiful bark on both the point and the flat. Because Um, there's more surface area for it. Because more surface area. The the challenge then is, is to not dry out the, the, the flat, Mm. but the, and so most people cook them together. And, and then once you cook them together, it's super easy. It's also really hard to separate the point from the flat when it's raw. Mm. It's, it's a lot harder to get the division between the, because there's this big fat river of fat between the point and the flat, but getting to that river with a knife without wasting anything is difficult. But once it's cooked, then it's just like you could separate them with a butter knife. You could just kind of like poke at it until you find the part that's like that river of fat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but with, but once it's cooked, it's literally, literally you can do it with a butter knife. But the only problem then is you have, it's not very appeasing. It, mm. You don't get bark because you, you, you know, the bottom side of the point and the top side of the flat, didn't get exposed to the smoker so it's not as appealing but so it's cooked but it's not as visually appealing yeah but only the edge right so but but then you can much more easily because the problem is it's two muscles and they're going in opposite direction not opposite directions but like a i don't know like a 30 degree offset maybe there right yeah. Anyway, interesting. We, dis- we discuss all this because, of course, I just finished my barbecue road trip, uh, which will the way, be a future you, podcast episode. Yeah. Yes. Which will be a future where we just talk about that j- just as a as a bonus episode, because this thing is really about, you know, data protection and that has zero to do with data protection. But if you're curious already, uh, feel free to go to my my YouTube channel, WC Preston, just one word as my YouTube user. And you can see the 12 different YouTube videos we made as I traveled across Texas last week uh, for my vacation. Try to look at the size of my face in the beginning and the size of my face at the end because I, def- <laughs> I definitely put on some weight during the trip. <laughs> they say the camera adds 30 pounds, by the way, just saying. Yeah, but yeah, sure. That's what it is. <laughs> we, we, we've alluded to the book in previous yeah. 
podcast. The book being the book that you just finished writing yes, a couple book. months ago. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> it's as if yeah. it's like the biblical book. It's not the Bible. Or it's not yeah, the it's biblical not, book. It's not or... the book with a capital B. <laughs> um, it's, it's Modern Data Protection from O'Reilly. And it's my fourth book that I've written. And it is the book that I have wanted to write for a long time. And I wanted to sort of do an episode about the book uh, and to explain why I wrote it, um, what's in it, why you might like it, what it's not. Um, Let's go for it. Yeah. Let's go for it. Okay. Yeah. So here's a question for you. So this is your fourth book, you said? Yeah. 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 So, and I've read books and I was actually a tech editor for this book. Mm-hmm. But my God, how, what's your process for going about and writing a book that just seems so daunting? You know, <laughs> it's like, where do you even start? Well, and what motivates the, you to write a book also? Th- th- those are a lot of questions. Let me see. Uh, so let me start. Let me start with the, what motivates me to write a book. I, I mean, I have a lot of, I've had a unique career. V- very few people have, um, had a career in the IT field in on the end user side of the world and stayed in backup the whole time. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I, I I know of like one other person that maybe could say that, um, uh, David Chapa, he he listens to the podcast as well. Um, I I think he, he's very similar. I, I have some other people I think of, um, I, I think of like Dave Russell, Backup Dave, who we've had as a guest on the podcast. Um, by the way, David Chapa, uh, you're more than welcome to come on as a guest as well. <laughs> uh, shout out to you. But very few people have had the vantage point that I've had. And I feel very um, lucky to have had that. It, it, it was absolutely not planned. I, I, I'll, I'll just say that. I, like I, when I, got, I was 23 and I was getting into this, it was like, yeah, I want to do this. For- yeah, I, I, I. I got the job of backup guy at MBNA for for two reasons. One is because my wife is amazing, and because it was the job that that was available. Right? Uh, you know, my my the reason I, I, I say it's because of my wife is because I only got the job because my wife referred me and then pushed hard to get me the job because she was connected to a senior executive vice president at the bank, mm. and you know she talked to him, he talked to him, and basically got me hired into something, right? Got shout me out to your wife. Absolutely. Shout out to my wife. She's amazing. Uh, and, and had she not been as amazing as she was then, uh, and, and now, and now she's, you know, escalated <laughs> to being a camera person of a, of a barbecue. I did see her behind YouTube the scenes videos. in your barbecue t- yeah. videos. Yeah. Um, but she, um, yeah, if she hadn't got that job, I wouldn't have got my job. And if she hadn't been as good at her job as she was, she wouldn't have been, um, uh, promoted mm-hmm. to the job that, yeah. that that she got, which got you know, you know. So basically, I, I owe my career to her, absolutely. Um, and then, but the fact that it's in backup was because that was the job that they give to new people, mm-hmm. right? We talk about that all the time, and and I hate that. I hate that. Yeah, that's what we give backup to is we give it to the it's like a critical you know, part of your infrastructure, your environment. You give to yeah. the newest guy, <laughs> and you give it to the FNG is the uh, <laughs> is the old old school phrase for that. And I um. I got the job and then I went into consulting to get out of backup. The whole reason I joined Pencom, which became Collective Technologies, was to get out of backup. And then they put me in the headquarters of Amico 
where I was supposed to be a sysadmin, but it turns out their backups were broken. And so I ended up working <laughs> on the backups. And then I wrote an article and caught the publishing bug and, you know, the rest is history, right? Yeah. Somewhere along the line, I got, you know, so so I, I just feel that I have access to a lot of knowledge that I feel the need to share with people. And, I, and, and there is a certain amount of joy of passing that knowledge on and, yeah. and you know, um, so definitely so, all our conversations about tape, everything I've learned about tape has been from you, Curtis. Yeah. So, well, that, <laughs> it's good to hear. It's good to hear. But in terms of the, the process, uh, I, I, I joke, but, uh, for this book, for example, you start by working for 10 years on an outline. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the, I mean, I, I kid you not, I literally have worked on the outline for this, um, this book for 10 years. Is that when your last book was published? Is that soon after your last um, book? No, before, uh, Mm. because I, I went to them and said, I wanted to write this book. And they Mm. said, well, what we'd really like you to do is to, to um, do a second edition and change the title of your first book. Um, And so depending on how you look at it, I've written three or four books, but the second edition of my first book was almost like an entirely new book. And, um, and they said, when you do that, when you finish that one, uh, and this will be much easier than writing a new one, then you can write the one you want to write, but then (laughs) life got in the way. Right. Um, so it starts by creating an outline as detailed as you can create it and then putting together a proposal as to what would the audience be for this book? Why would anybody want it? Is there a need for this book? And then you put all of that into a proposal that you send to um, O'Reilly, right? Mm-hmm. In, in this case, O'Reilly. And then in the case of this book, their response is, oh my God, this is going to be a 2,000 page book. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> I put together a very extensive outline, which I crowdsourced, by the way. I, I, I used everyone I knew to say, mm-hmm. am I forgetting something? Am I, you know, am I... Yeah. By leaving something out, and then and and, and this mm-hmm. book, unlike your other books, right? Mm-hmm. You wanted to cover a large set of topics versus some of your other books where you went very deep in. The, backup, yeah, right? this this is much more a survey book than you know. It, it's definitely a it's definitely a five to ten thousand foot view book mm-hmm. versus some of the other books that have been more you know zero to to 5,000, right? Uh, there's no command line options <laughs> in this tool. There's no, uh, this, this is, yeah. So, so I put, you, you put that together, they responded, um, that the process of going back and forth to, uh, O'Reilly took several months. Mm-hmm. And one of the objections <clears throat> that I tried to address up front, oh, but, uh, let me tell you two problems that I had. The first was they're like, well, what's the audience to this book? And I'm like, anyone with computers, <laughs> right? And that gives a crap about their data. And they're like, okay, we don't, you know, they're like, is this for managers? Is this for sysadmins? Is this for, you know, decision makers? Is this for, I'm like, yes, right? Yes, to it all. For all yeah. those people, I, I'm writing it in a way that a manager should be able to understand. But at the same time, it's not that uh, um, decision makers and technical people will not be able to, I'm not writing it so high level that they won't be able to learn stuff. They're like, well, you can't, 
you can't say everybody you, you have to <laughs> they're like they're like our 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 um our history shows and, and o'reilly knows what they're doing they're like you have to have a defined audience so pick a mm -hmm. defined audience so so i think i went with it decision makers right mm -hmm. and uh but decision makers is you know is a weird term in it right because a lot yeah. of time the decision maker is the man or woman on the keyboard making it mm -hmm. happen they're the one yep. making the decision even though they might not have line item authority on the on the budget right yep but um so that was that was probably the hairiest part uh mm. a, a, agreeing to a page count we agreed to keep it under 500 pages and they said there's no way i could do that because my outline was 350 pages and um <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that long, but, but they were like, yeah, I was like, trust me, I do not want to write more than 500 pages. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that I, that I, that wasn't as big a deal to them as it was to me. I said, listen, I currently work for Druva. Um, mm -hmm. and by the way, I work for Druva persona works for zoom. Uh, this is not a uh, zoom or Druva podcast. The opinions that you hear are ours. Make sure to write it, rate us at, uh, rate podcast.com slash restore. And if you care at all about any of the things that we talk about, we'd love to have you as a guest. So I was very concerned that anyone would look at where I work and look at what I'm writing and say, oh, he's just going to write a big book that basically leads people to say, well, you need to buy Druva. Yep. Right. And I really, it's always a danger, really right? Of working want, for it's a always vendor. a danger. Right. Yeah. And, and, and here's the surprise. I don't think Druva is right for every scenario. That's mm -hmm. like number one. I think Druva is a great service. Um, yep. I do believe highly in data protection as a service. I believed highly in it before working for Druva, yep. right? Um, but because of the way we do things and because of, you know, the laws of physics, <laughs> right? <laughs> it Druva work is in not every right for everything, right? Yep. Um, and and also we have competitors that do things similar to the way we do it. And, and I... I'm not going to write anything specifically that says you should buy Druva, right? So, yeah. and I'm not even, I don't even want to write a thing that says you should buy data protection as a service. And that's the yeah. only way to do backup because it's not. Yep. Right. Um, and so I said that I was going to make sure that I used people who worked for competitors mm -hmm. as technical editors to make yep. sure that I was always giving everyone a fair shot and that I wasn't. Mm -hmm. Um, if anything, I think I did in the book, I went out of my way to say nice things about competitive categories. By the way, that that is an important thing. I never mention companies uh, by I don't name. Think never, I, I never mention any of our competitors by name or Druva by name, other than in the acknowledgments. Um, I, I, I use categories, right? Yeah. I think like every once in a while, uh, like I, I might like say LTO, yeah. right? Because that's a that's a specific product that I need to address. But I don't mention like data domain or quantum yeah. or rubric or cohesity or veritas. Yeah. I just say traditional backup software. And that's what I'm and here's what I mean when I say that. And yeah. hyperconverged backup. And I think you know. that was actually the hardest thing, right? I know we you and I had discussions while you're writing. It's like, how do I take what I think are like 20 or 30, 40 vendors out there? Yeah. Right. And yeah. it's like, how do you group them. these? Yeah. And yeah. the thing is a lot of categories, a lot of products can fit into multiple categories, mm -hmm. right? And um, I'm also, I can't cover every product, like yep. individually, I can only <laughs> cover product categories and speak in generalities. And here are the things that that yeah. generally this category does well. And generally, these are the things that you should yeah. be concerned with, you know, 
Yeah, and also the other thing is each of the products are also constantly iterating, right? So even by the time you wrote the book, by the time it was published, those products had changed, released new features, solved some of the issues you were talking right. about. Right. If someone's reading this in like two years, in a year, right from now, if they read your book, you still right. want it to be relevant. Right. There are things that Druva does now that yep. we didn't do when I wrote the book. Right. Yep. Um, so yeah, you, you don't want to be tied to a particular product or a particular release. Yeah. This is not a manual. This yeah. is a book of a lot of concepts and important and, things that you need to know. And I think that's important because a lot of people forget about the concepts and they just dive into, I need to figure out a solution for my problem, right? right? And I think one of the things your book does a great job is, let's take a step back. Let's think about sort of the categories, the problems you're trying to solve, what each one of these categories are good and bad at, right? And then start from there rather than just saying, oh, I should use this because that's what everyone else says. Yeah, exactly. And and. I address a lot of sort of uh, what I would call either myths or misconceptions mm -hmm. um, or, or things that I find myself arguing for my entire career, right? <laughs> things like backup is not archive, right? Backup yeah. and archive are two very different things. That doesn't mean that there can't be a product that does both. It's just that the concepts, the disciplines are two very different things. And you need to understand the difference between those things when you're buying products, right? But I think that helps like having those categories and also the myths, because like you said, people have these misconceptions and there's a lot of FUD out there as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's hard for a normal user to go figure out, okay, what applies now? What is FUD? What is the truth? How are people actually using the product? And I think sort of breaking things down and looking at more of the categories, I think also helps. Yeah. And speaking of the categories, the book, I would say is divided into four categories. It's it's why, what, where, and how, right? Um, so the why is like basically the first chapter is why in the world do you do backup, right? What mm -hmm. what are the things that we're protecting from? Right? You know, we talked about everything from natural disasters to the more recent idea of ransomware, right? Yep. And that remember that when you're protecting your data, you're you're protecting it not against not just against uh, mechanical failure. Right, bad like disk drive drives, failing. Disk yeah. drives, but you're also protecting it against bad people who might try to do, you know, bad yep. things to your drives. You know, and also, and sometimes it's bad people are internal, right? Yep. Um, and so, when we think about the ways we do backups, we need to think about all of those things. And then there was the what and your famous three two one rule and the three two one rule. The three two one rule has got to be in there, and that's why the three two one rule is what it is, right? Yep. Um, and the um. Um, the, 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 what is, what is it we're backing up? And this is where I address, at least in some cases, these are all of the things that you might want to back up. <laughs> the reason I'm laughing is I remember talking to you about, yeah, each one of these, what's could be a book of in and of itself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and in my opinion, all of the things that should be backed up, some of them are obvious like servers and VMs and, mm -hmm. you know, um, but then we get into the more challenging ones, right? So uh, that would include things like SaaS, uh, yep. laptops, uh, containers, and Kubernetes. And each of those has different arguments over, oh, do I, re do I really want to back it up? <laughs> or do I really have to? Or Microsoft says I don't have to. Uh, and I'm like, look, here's the here's my reasons behind why you should back this up. Here's my reasons why you should back up a laptop, right? Um, and I still think until laptop until all laptops are like Chromebooks, until and I think at some point they will get there. I think at some mm -hmm. point 
Like I don't back up. I don't even though shh, Druva backs up iPhones. I don't back up my iPhone. <laughs> I don't back up my iPhone with Druva because everything on my iPhone is synced to iCloud, right? Yep. And 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 I, I I don't. Well, I also don't put mission critical stuff on my That's iPhone, done. but exactly right. But it, the more and more I think laptops become like Chromebooks. Yeah. It's just a way to access yes, data. Exactly. Yep. It's just a way to access. And then you need to, but you would back up that data. Now yep. what you have is all of your data is sitting there in OneDrive or in uh, Google Drive. And yep. that data needs to be backed up. Right. Yep. So we talked about that. I talked about, listen, Google Drive and OneDrive are not places to back up to. They are places to back up. Right. Yep. We talk about that. Talk about laptops and iPhones and 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 um and 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 a few categories of things that I wouldn't worry about backing up, which is like a Google, like a Chromebook, right? Yeah. Also in the what you also talk about databases and all the different. I do talk about all database. the databases. Yeah. Well, definitely with those, every one of those could be a book in in and of itself, <laughs> right? And I just I try to give a high level overview of the different kinds of databases, both SQL and yeah. NoSQL. And by the way, NoSQL doesn't just mean it doesn't mean not SQL. It means not only SQL. I, yeah. I actually learned that, by the way, and the I learned a lot for the data. <laughs> I, the database chapter was the hardest because yeah. it required me researching and learning about, you know, weird databases like Ram. What's Ramanan's database? Neo4j, graph database. Yeah. The, yeah. Neo4j. Um, and in I had fact, to learn I about think, Oh, I was just going to say, yeah. In fact, I think we had some folks on the podcast while mm -hmm. you were doing research to talk about. Oh, I totally use the podcast as a research yeah. tool. <laughs> right. So for, yeah. Yeah. Right. So if we go back and look, right. Episodes, 70 with Tony McGarry on sharded NoSQL databases, 71 uh, with Shalab Goyal about Mongo and Cassandra, yep. right? So we had quite a few podcasts. So if you're interested in that, please go back and listen to those. Yeah. And we need to, we need to, I think we need to have Ramanan on here to talk about yep. Neo, Neo4j. Uh, something that I, I literally can't grasp what the hell a graph database is. <laughs> I just literally cannot, my brain hurts when I try to, uh, you know, listen to it, but it was included. Um, yeah. and it, you know, it's just yet another thing that needs to be backed up. And then there was the where, which includes everything from tape to, you know, target dedupe machines, uh, as well as, um, you know, hyper boxes, and, you know, hyper convert, hyper conversion plus. Yeah. Uh, and then the, the how, which is all of the different ways that, you can use those things in the previous section to do backups, right? Mm -hmm. All of the different methods, um, which includes everything from traditional backup to the hyperconverged world and the SaaS yep. world. Uh, and then I talked about each one, like what they were good at, as well as the challenges of them, how they yep. address the challenges of backup. Yeah. Um, and not even, and, and what's that? There is no perfect solution. <laughs> there is no perfect solution. Uh, you know, sorry, you know, uh, just breed, um, <laughs> our, 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 our CEO, um, you know, uh, he would, he would agree with me though. You know, it, 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 he and I have talked quite a bit about sort of my position on mm -hmm. the, what Druva is good for, you know, and, and, um, and he doesn't disagree on, on anything I say, honestly, you know, like I'd, I'd say I'm the most pro tape guy at a no tape company. <laughs> um, I, I do think tape is good for certain things. I, yep. I do quite a bit of coverage into tape. And if you think tape is crap, 
you can learn a lot from the book and you may be surprised to learn that a guy who works for a no tape company is pretty (laughs) pro tape in the book, but not for backups. I don't use it for day to day backups, uh, especially, you know, uh, backing up directly to it. But, um, so you cover the what, where, why, or what, why, how in the order, why, what, where, and how. Yeah. Right. And then to top it off at the end. So you want to change your backup system is basically what the final chapter is. So, you know. Yeah. And I think even in in that chapter, right, you weren't recommending, by the way, go buy vendor X, right? It's more about, hey, as you're looking at changing your backup solution, here are some questions. Here are some things you should be thinking about. And I think one of the big takeaways is make sure you're sort of forward looking. Make sure you're forward looking and also uh, also make sure you understand what it is that you're potentially throwing away. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I built an entire career on helping people re-architect their backup systems properly. Now, some systems like if your system today is, a you know, is based on uh, net backup going to a tape library directly mm-hmm. to a tape library with no disk in it. Um, I'm not going to be able to re-architect that system properly unless you're willing to buy some some disc at this point, right? Yeah. But for the most part, I, I had an entire career where I helped people make, you know, a lot of net backup. I did a lot of net backup, <laughs> re-architecting them and explaining people how tape works and how you got to, you know. But so look at what you have and make sure that you're doing, you know, that you're using your product the way it was meant to be used and mm-hmm. that there isn't something you could do because of the learning curve of changing backup systems, yep. right? Um, I think and that's also, what a lot of people underestimate is that learning curve. Yeah, it's not something you take lightly. <laughs> no, it's yeah, and and that's the thing. Uh, you know, another thing that I would say when people change backup systems, they often the reason why their new backup system works so poorly is that they try to treat it like their old backup system. <laughs> they try to configure it like their old backup system, right? Yeah. Um, and um, but yeah, and so it just th- these are the things that you're going to think about. Uh, by the way, we, there's a, another chapter in there that's a great chapter that talks about how to get buy-in. Yeah. I was actually going to ask you about that. Yeah. 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 So we'll go, why don't you go ahead and do that. Yeah. And I think one of the things you not only talk about like when to switch, but I think one of the chapters I recall reading was around like how to convince other people in your organization, right? Because yeah. that's usually the hardest problem when you need a switch is how do you get everyone else to sign off on it? Because it's not one person making the decision. Yeah. And, and, and I actually had uh, a, a friend and a podcast guest, uh, Jeff Rockland, help me write that chapter because mm. honestly, I learned how to do all of the <laughs> stuff that he is talks about in that chapter. I learned about how to do all that stuff when I worked with him back 20 years ago <laughs> uh, when we worked at uh, Hughes. And they follow this very a specific process on how on project management on how to get buy-in. And basically he distilled all of that down into, um, I don't know, 15 or 20 page chapter on how to, how to define requirements, how to get buy-in on those requirements, and then how to turn that into a full fledged, uh, you know, new system regardless. And by the way, that chapter's gold, even if you're not talking about backup, 
Right. I was just going to say a lot yeah. of times, especially these days in companies, you end up working with a lot of other stakeholders and you're not the only one making the decision. And actually seeing that written out in terms of, hey, here is a process to follow. I think yep. anyone outside of backup even can follow that. Yeah. And he he made a great chapter and uh, another guest chapter. I had two guest chapters. One, uh, the other one was written by Dan Frith, another uh, podcast guest, uh, a.k.a. Penguin Punk. Um, he wrote a chap, he wrote the chapter on archive, right. Mm -hmm. And the different types of archive and what archive actually means. And archives uh, backup, right. You know, what's that? Archive is backup. Oh, you're killing me, man. (laughs) Killing me. Just kidding. Smalls. Um, (laughs) yeah. And, and you know, and and by the way, I had some tech editors that, that, that argued with me on the archive Mm. is not backup thing. You know, I, I had ultimate authority over the books. Yeah. <laughs> I remember at least in one case, you know, it's like, well, you can't draw that, that thick of a line between backup and archive. And I'm like, no, yeah. Or y- yes, yes, <laughs> you absolutely can. You, you can, and you need to draw a thick line between backup and archive. They are solving two completely different sets of problems. Different. Again, yeah. I'm not saying you can't meet both sets of problems with one product, right? I, I'd say that the, probably the company that does the closest to that is Commvault. Right, mm. they they did sort of redesign their product from scratch, uh, with with archive in mind as part mind. of the solution. I, I do think it's best to solve the archive two, with a separate solution. A great example of that would be Veritas Net Backup and Enterprise Vault. These are two products from the same company, and one of the things that they can do is they can share resources. Mm-hmm. Right, so you can buy a really big like a uh, spectrologic tfinity shout out to spectra um <laughs> that uh hey matt i know you're listening you could buy like a giant tfinity tape library and share it between net backup and and, and uh enterprise vault right yeah use some for backups and use some for archive but anyway they're, they're two they're two completely separate things yeah. and by the way i'm pretty sure speak you you mentioned 321 real i'm pretty sure 321 real comes up in almost every chapter yeah i believe it i i mean maybe not in be chapter. <laughs> Yeah, just going back to that last chapter, right? And mm-hmm. I know that you mentioned this was like one of the hardest chapters for you to write, mm-hmm. right? Just because you weren't. They made me write it. <laughs> <laughs> they literally said I had to have a recommendations, yeah. right? Like, a, like, like an action. That, that was that yeah. was their biggest criticism of the outline when I first gave it to them. Is like you don't have any actions in here, right? I'm like. Okay, I'll, because I just wanted to sort of talk about concepts and not yeah. talk about actions, but they ma- they made me put actions into the book, and this was <laughs> they're like, so you want to you want to replace your backup system or you want to upgrade your backup system? Yeah. So it, it was hard because I don't I don't want to tell people what to do. I want them to think for themselves. Yeah. So I tried really hard to to give you some quick summaries on if these are the things that are important to you, mm-hmm. then this is the type of solution that you might want to look at. Just keep this other thing in mind. Remember that this solution has this limitation, right? Mm -hmm. So an example would be if what you want is an, is an on-prem solution. If that, Mm -hmm. if, if, you know, if that is important to you and you want an on-prem copy of your data, then, you know, a hyper-converged solution at this point is, is probably the best available, right? Um, I wouldn't at this point design a new system using traditional products with all of the bolts on products that, that, 
to, you know, because data domain is a great product, but it's a product built around, it, it's a bandaid on yeah. traditional backup. You, sh- If you're buying something new at this point, I do think that you should buy, you know, products that were designed in the last 10 or 15 years, right? <laughs> um, using all of the technologies that we now have, right? Yeah. And, and on-prem-wise, the best that you have there is this idea of the hyper-converged yep. backup products, which includes Rubrik and Cohesity. Is there anybody else that I... I don't think so. Right. No, those that's, are the two. Yeah. Um, and so if that's what you want is an on-prem solution, then I would look at them, right? If what yep. you want is hands-off, right? If you want to have, if you want to just do restores, <laughs> not <laughs> to have to manage a backup system, then a data protection as a service yep. offering is is a great way to do that. If you If you don't even want to even manage that, then look at a fully managed service Manage. provider that yeah. will even manage the configuration for you. Yeah. Right. Um, cause, cause a proper backup as a service solution, you shouldn't be configuring any hardware, right? Yeah. You shouldn't be upgrading any, you know, just anything. Work. You should just tell it what to backup and how to backup and, and monitor it, right. And yeah. monitor that things are going well. But if you don't even want to do that, then look at an MSP. And just to close the loop, right, or to finish everything, I think if you have applications that are legacy, right, that's really where you still have to continue using those traditional backup products because none of the newer guys ever support that, right? (laughs) Yeah, I I, I did leave that off. In the beginning of the chapter, I was like, look, if you've got a ton of um, traditional uh, sort of on-prem apps, especially if they're Unix-based apps, the more of those you have, the more you're going to be drawn to the traditional products like Veritas and Commvault, right? Yep. And, and again, I'm not saying that these products haven't advanced over the years. I'm just saying that they're the ones that do the 57 different versions of Unix <laughs> that are still out there. <laughs> exactly. Many of which, by the way, haven't been updated. Like you look at HPUX, they haven't come out a new version of HPUX in 15 years, yeah. right? Um, but people are still running those and they still and need to be backed still, up. They're still running them. They still need to be backed up. And the more of those you have, then you end up at a more traditional solution. Yep. But but if you have a small number of them, I was surprised during my research, I was surprised, for example, to see how many of the traditional products, for example, Rubrik supports, yep. right? I, I was surprised to see that they did Solaris. Um, AIX, I believe as well. Yeah, and AIX. Like, who does yep. AIX? <laughs> um, you know, it's been a while since I've touched an AIX machine, but yeah. So that's what I tried to do is like, if these are, if these are the things that are important to you, these are the categories to look at. It gives someone a framework to think through as they're trying to figure out what they should be doing. And I think that's important because otherwise it's like you get so inundated with all the information out there. You read analyst reports, you talk to other friends who might be in the IT industry, right? You're just trying to figure out what to do. I think this book tries to bring it all together whilst not telling you use vendor X, but at least gives you a framework to make your decision. Right. And, you know, I, I try to I try to explain both the, the good and the bad mm-hmm. of each. Right. So just to give an example, if you're talking about Druva, if you're talking about a, a backup as a service to the cloud, your number one challenge is going to be the first big backup and any larger stores. And if you have... If you've got, I don't know, 10 petabytes in a single data center, that's going to be a challenge, Yep. right? Now, if you've got 10 petabytes spread across 10 data centers, easy peasy. 
yep. as long as you got the bandwidth, right? Bandwidth. Yep. <laughs> so if you don't have T1s, <laughs> but assuming you've got, you know, gigabit or whatever, the um, that that's, you know, our number one challenge. You look at the, you look at it's, the HVAs, the hyperconverged backup appliances. Their challenge is that you still have a box that you need to manage and maintain. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, they, they, they try to mitigate that. They try to say that, it you know, that they, they I, I think that they've made it as easy as it can be. But there's right? still you, some maintenance. Yeah, ongoing you don't thing you, have you don't have to upgrade the OS and the app separately. You just yeah. get a new image and you upgrade to that image. And they've also um, they've addressed a lot of the challenges with traditional systems with the scale out architecture. Scale-out. I yep. love scale out architecture and you can just you know, to get new capacity, you just buy new boxes. Uh, and that's great. Um, but it's not like the system is maintenance free. Yep. Right. So that's your biggest challenge there. So I, I just try to do that about each category. Mm-hmm. And I think for modern people, especially younger people who like yourself that have never touched tape, they may be surprised that tape may be useful oh, as yeah. long as you understand <laughs> what it's good at yeah. and what it's not. And, just as importantly, what it's not good at, right? Um, tape is really good at writing ones and zeros mm. and really good at holding on to them for a long period of time, but only if you make it happy, only if you yeah. give it enough throughput. And it's going to be significantly, that's what, when we had Matt on, what what episode yep. was that? 75, why tape is cheaper than Glacier for long-term storage. The biggest advantage to tape is that it is significantly cheaper. Yep. You know, um, even when you look at, you know, Glacier Deep Archive, it's still cheaper than Glacier Deep Archive. And you could have actually multiple copies on tape for, for cheaper the cost. than Glacier yeah. Deep Archive. Oh, yeah. Right. And one of those copies can be put in a salt mine. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that tape, the beautiful thing about tape is that it doesn't need power and cooling mm-hmm. to exist. You can put it on a tape, put it in a salt mine. And come back thirty years later, and it'll just and be it still there. Works right, yep. assuming you got a drive. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm not rosy. Rosy? No. What's the? I don't have rose-colored glasses here. You need to make sure you have a tape drive to, <laughs> you know, to be able to, <laughs> to read be able that get media. the data back. Yeah. But and I, I I actually I think I talk about this in the book. Like to this day, you can still buy every tape drive I have worked on mm-hmm. for the last thirty years. Some of them are harder <laughs> to come by than others. But it's out there. Um, but but it's out there. And there are companies who this is what they do. It's like, yeah. oh, you need a nine track tape drive with 120 bits per inch. We got yeah. it, right? It's like when we talked to Larry Blake, which is about his experience, right? And backing up in Hollywood. Right. 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 He had those yeah, old he, tape drives. He had those old Macs that he said he keeps things around on. Yeah, he keeps he keeps both the tape drive and the system that he made the backup on, uh, yep. which is interesting, right? Um, but the, yeah, so, so that's what tape is really good at, uh, at being cheap and, and holding on to data for really long periods of time. But what it's really bad at is accepting incremental backups. Yeah. And so don't do that. Right. Yeah. Um, but, um, you well, use the technology in the right, the whole book <laughs> and nobody needs to buy the book. No, I don't know. <laughs> but I, so the one thing I did like about your book also, Curtis is like all the little stories and excerpts, right. You I have, do have right? stories. Well, you know me. I'm a, I'm a raconteur a extraordinaire. <laughs> <laughs> I love telling my stories. And I, I definitely yeah. put a few in there of yeah. both my stories as well as, um, you know, some other uh, friends and yeah. 
and 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 fans and people that and, and some stories got inserted by technical editors right mm-hmm. so i think of like julie ulrich shout out to yep. julie i know she listens to the podcast uh she threw something in as a comment and that comment became one of the little stories yep. um you know in the book and the um um and some of them, there. The other, some of them are just random. I have a Maya Angelou quote. In there. <laughs> <laughs> there are a few random quotes yeah. like that, but um, but yeah, I do. I do like the stories. I yeah. tried to make it entertaining as much as I could. Right. I try yeah. to. That is another thing I've heard from people that read the book is that they can, they they get my personality. Yeah. My, my it personality definitely comes, comes across. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know why. So, so I, I was actually going to get to this. So yeah, what was yeah. your actual way that you wrote the book? Because it's what, 450 pages? It's, th- it's, three, it's 350 pages. Okay, 350 um, and pages. By, by the way, that's can't... another thing is it's not a huge book. We, they were yeah. worried it would be 2,000 pages. They said keep it under 500, mm-hmm. and it actually ends up being 350, which is a With all the illustrations and everything else. Yeah, with all the – well, there's not a whole lot of illustrations. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, a lot of words. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, but it's I'm like assuming a, you weren't like sitting there and typing every single – no, I didn't type any of it. Did you get your wife to type it for you? No, no I did not. <laughs> I got my computer to type it for me. I live in the future. Um, so I, the, the, you know, this is a this is a book written in the pandemic, right? Um, <laughs> so I had, I bought, actually, uh, Druva bought. Druva had a, um, you know, Fitness like creditor. a one-time buy yeah. some stuff for your home office, and yeah. I bought a Xterra treadmill. Right, mm. uh, it's not a, a terribly expensive, like one hundred and seventy-five yeah. bucks or something. And that treadmill is sitting right behind me. And then uh, I built a little using my woodworking uh, skills. <laughs> yeah. I built a little platform that that basically is designed just to sit on the the like the what do, what do you call that? Does the display of the treadmill? Yeah. Yep. And, and that created a, a flat little desk. So on that flat little desk sits a dedicated Windows laptop because I'm a Mac guy. But on Windows, I run Dragon Professional, which is a, the voice recognition product that I have used for 20 years. Mm. And it just keeps getting better. And I walked and talked. I have a, <laughs> a very nice microphone that has a six foot wire on it. And I just walked and talked. So I, I would... I dictated directly into, they call it the dragon pad. Uh-huh. Um, I did, it can go into word, but I, I just prefer just to use dragon, uh, mm-hmm. just natively the native stuff. Yep. Yeah. And then, um, the only, pr- there is a problem with that. We'll come back to that in a minute. Um, basically <laughs> the, the dragon pad. And then when I get to some sort of pause moment, mm-hmm. I then copy what I've written over the last hour or two into Google docs Okay. And, and then I go in and, and then I edit it. Right. And, uh, I did lose some data. Um, there, there was a time when I wrote for probably a couple of hours and then, uh, dragon crashed. Oh no. Yeah. And I lost whatever it is I had just done for the last two hours because I hadn't, after that happened, I started, um, hitting control S (laughs) <laughs> um, well, actually, you could just say you could just say uh, uh, click file, click save. Mm. Um, you can do that. You don't have to type Control S. But um, what happened? I remember what happened now. What happened is Dragon has a feature where it 
saves the recording, like the audio of you dictating uh-huh. with the document that you just dictated. Okay. And and I said, I've never used that recording. Yeah. So the next time I say it asked me, do you want to save the recording? Right. Mm-hmm. And the next time uh, it asked me, it, I said, click file, click save. And it says, do you want to save the recording? And I said, no. And it closed the document without <sighs> saving anything. Oh, oh, oh And man. I was like, wait, that is not what I meant. <laughs> right. Right. Um, uh, it, it, uh, it harkens back to years ago when I used it for the first time. And I said, click file something. And then it asked me a yes, no question. And I responded, no, like, but it, that the no was a bad no. Like, you you know what I mean? Like, should we, you know, I I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just remember like exclaiming no, like yelling at the computer when in reality I was answering the question, the yes, no question. Um, It was like, do you want me to ignore this document or something? I don't don't know what it was. Yeah. The right answer should have been yes. Um, But um, the, um, yeah. So I lost a couple hours worth of work, but yeah, but, but the that laptop is a Windows laptop that I'm not backing up because I never put anything on it, right? Mm-hmm. And so the I just do a you know Control A, Control yeah. S, Control into V Docs. into Google Docs, and then I come yeah. over to my Mac and do did all the editing. Gotcha. Uh, and I did everything in Google Docs, uh, which including was including sharing it for, with your tech editors, including sharing it with my 35 tech editors. <laughs> um, and that that meant that they could that any of them could edit at any time. And Google Docs, by the way, I'm sorry, but Google Docs is so much better than than um, OneDrive in that mm. respect. Uh, I, I, you know, sorry, Microsoft. Um, <laughs> but d- collaboration in a document or a what do they call it? Uh, what do they call it? slides? Slides. You know, either 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 a, a, a you know a Word doc. Well, not a Word doc. Either a, yeah. a document or, or a spreadsheet or a presentation, collaboration in that is seamless. You could have yeah. 10 people editing the document at the same time, and that's fine. Yep. Good luck trying to do that with two people <laughs> with a with a word with a word doc, right? Yeah. I've done it. I and I know that there's features there that are supposedly doing, and all it does, you stomp on each other and <laughs> it's bad. So then so then what you do is once that all happens, then um, the, 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 there were two phases of editors on, mm. on the O'Reilly side. side, right? There's the, what they call the, um, what is she called? The acquisitions editor, mm. which is basically that they're sort of the front line. And her job is to make sure that the story is, is continuous and that the, not continuous, but, uh, what's the word there? Uh, there's um, continuity in the story. Yeah. The continuity in the story of the book. Right. And, and making sure that when I, that when I introduce a term, I always define it the first time. And when I, when I allude to another chapter that I might make the right chapter number and chapter illusion. Didn't she make fun of you for something? That was the copy editor. So the copy, so the copy editor, there were two things. One was, she said, uh, that word does not mean what you think it means. (laughs) It was, uh, (laughs) impact, means to hit something. It does not mean to change something. 
And, um, you know, this is going to impact that. She's like, that's wrong. That's bad English. Stop doing that. And so she picks <laughs> literally everywhere in the book where I said impact. She goes, I think you mean change, right? So she just fixed that. But the other problem she had was uh, that I used the word via a lot. Mm. And she said that um, that um, is Latin and we avoid Latin in our books. And she changed all of those vias to something else like through or something yeah. like that. And I, I, I protested and I said, this is English, right? Via, <laughs> via, yes. It's common. Via yeah. is a Latin word, but it is an English word. It is a word that everyday English people yeah. use and, and it mean and, and it, and it has a specific meaning and that's the meaning I mean to convey. And, um, uh, she undid all those changes and put yeah. put Fia back all over the book. Um, <laughs> a- after my after I I doth protest too much. <laughs> um, <laughs> but and then um, what was amazing is once you're done, once we all agreed, you go through what's called the QC one and the QC two, mm-hmm. right? The uh, quality control copy one yeah. and two. And when you see the QC one, that's the first time you see it paginated, right? Uh-huh. And the illustrations, and you're also because you do, do rough you want to talk about the illustrations uh which 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 part like just the fact that um, in the beginning you didn't have any and then oh yeah you were <laughs> yeah I, I didn't have it i didn't have hardly any illustrations and then one of my annoying tech editors kept suggesting this would be a great place for an illustration who was that persona me yeah that was you <laughs> at least i added some comments about what could be potentially good yeah, yeah, I think you should make a drawing because I hate making drawings. I'd rather just talk <laughs> and write, right? But anyway, so you, you, I make the drawings as you know as I can, and a lot of times I just steal them, right? I just, yeah, I Google something, something similar. I'm to like, this. yeah, yeah, and then I put it in there. I'm like, here, make a drawing like this, and then and then they have an art department who actually makes the original drawing, and then the QC two. But from the moment I said, you know, I basically blessed the QC two from the moment I had printed copies in my hand was less than a week. That was amazing. Yeah. Right. Because they use an on-demand printer, they no Mm. longer print their own books. They use a printing as a a service service. Um, um, (laughs) A they they just, yeah. And so they, they printed whatever their initial run was and Mm -hmm. they don't do that the way they, it used to be that you really had to, um, know exactly uh, and predict and estimate how many books. Yeah, you really had to, because you were going to rent, you know, print 10,000 copies or whatever. Now yeah. they print them as they need them, which yeah. is amazing, right? And then also these books were available in the O'Reilly store, right? Their e-store for yeah. people who yeah. are subscribed to O'Reilly. They could look at it there and they had some chapters. Yeah, that, yeah they have. The, yeah, that's another thing. As we were doing the book, as we were editing it, once we sort of got the, you know, a chapter to a particular thing, it was, it was immediately available in the O'Reilly learning platform. Mm. Um, so you, you could see it as it was being written, which is pretty cool. And you, you can get early feedback that way. Although we didn't really get anything from any of those folks. Um, mm. but you know, I, I'll say this, I'm not going to make as much money as I did on my first couple of books. Mm. Um, just because but it's the not about the money. Is, it's about getting the information out to the people. Okay. It's partly about the money. It's my blood, sweat and tears. Yeah. It's, 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 it's about, yeah, it, it, I will say it's much more about, you know, number one, getting that information out there because yeah. I, I don't know of any other 
resource that has this information, right? And number two, obviously, it's good for my career. Yeah. Uh, publish or perish, right? That's the yeah. that's <laughs> the thing, right? Um, you know, if you're going to be Mister Backup, you write. You need to write books about backup. Uh, but yeah, then you know, I, it would be nice to make you know something, a yeah. little bit, little bit of money. But um, I, you know, it, it's it's not going to be like the old days. The publishing world is not what it yeah. used to be. My advance was smaller than before. Yep. Um, but I think um, eBooks and everything else have really changed. Yeah, yeah, and and, and the and internet the is, in general. <laughs> yeah, well, I think because of the eBooks, and then a lot of people steal the eBooks. Right. Yep. Um, and you can get it, you know, the book via BitTorrent probably. Yep. In fact, I remember my last book, I had a, I had an illegal copy of my book in my hand before the actual, before official. I got the real one. Right. Um, I just Googled, you know, BitTorrent in my book and, yep. and it showed up. They, they do some stuff now to somewhat counteract that. Yep. But anyway, so for all those reasons, uh, it's, you know, it's just not, but so buy my book. Um, <laughs> Where can they buy? Where can they find your book? So I, I think the best place for, you can buy it at any of your favorite book retailers. But if you want to save some money, uh, just go go to O'Reilly.com and search for modern data protection. And you can use the, the discount code, M, you know, capital MDP, modern data protection, MDP35. And that will get you a 35% uh, off which is less than what it sells for on Amazon or any of the other oh, nice. um, online retailers. So, and if they're signed up, subscribed to O'Reilly, they can also get yeah, it there. If right? they're on, if they're already subscribers to the O'Reilly learning platform, um, you can read it there. Uh, by the way, that's, it's interesting for those that are curious how that works. Think of it as Spotify and think of every page in my book as a song. Right. So if you go read my book and you only read 10 pages of my book and think it's crap and don't read the rest of my book, I get paid for you reading 10 pages. Mm. Right. But if you think chapter seven is amazing and you read it 20 times, I get paid every time you read that page. Just oh, like, interesting. just like the, yeah, just like, yeah. So that's why the best way to describe it is think of Spotify or, you know, Apple Music or whatever yeah. your favorite thing is. And each page in the book is like a song. Hmm. And I get paid every time you read it. Oh, nice. Um, so, um, and your cost remains the same. So please read the book 17 times. Yeah. <laughs> or at least if you need like to go back it. and refer to something the first time yeah, after you've read it, yeah. right? You know, like that yeah. chapter on how to deal with requirements and convincing stakeholders, right? Maybe you want to revisit Absol that in the future. Absolutely. And I, and I just, by the way, I just want to give, give a shout out to everybody who helped, um, you know, everybody from obviously O'Reilly uh, to those who helped me crowdsource the initial outline, as well as my 35 tech editors. And of course, my two um, uh, co-writers, which would be uh, Jeff Rockland and Dan Frith. Uh, you know, I, I and, and, and also I'll give a shout out to, to Druva for giving me the freedom to work on it. Um, you know, while I was, uh, collecting a paycheck, <laughs> yeah, Truva and with, and without exerting any editorial pressure at all, like 100%, mm -hmm. they didn't see the book until it was done. Um, I think you might be the only Druva employee that actually really read it prior. Yeah. yeah. Um, and your only pressure was like, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, this part, <laughs> this part or, and, and. Uh, and, and I'm going to give another, I've already mentioned it in another podcast, but I'm going to give it a shout out to Stuart Little, who was the one who read the book 
And he's like, where's the section on testing? <laughs> I was like, oh, crap. I left out. I left out testing. Yeah. yeah. Um, Slight important. And of course, the person that I credited my career to and the fact that my wife put up with me as I was working tirelessly on this book. Um, I, I, I have to thank my wife, Celine, and uh, who, who also doubles as a, a camera person for my YouTube channel. <laughs> but um, So I guess the next question is, do you have another book? You're, do you have an idea for your next book? Or are you taking a little breather? I've taken the breather. I'm thinking about a book. I, I, On barbecue? I, I haven't. I am thinking about writing a book just on ransomware protection Mm. Um, specifically. And it'll, it'll be a book that's like half information security and half data protection, right? Because ransomware, it's as much about information security as it is about data protection, right? In fact, if you're good at the first half, you can ignore the second half. Yeah. Um, But you can't ignore the second half because no one's perfect. At the first half, exactly. And I think a lot of people get that wrong as well. Yeah. I am thinking about it because it's so hot right now Mm -hmm. and there's so much pain involved there. And I I think I can help. Um, I will need a co-author that, that is willing to help me with the information security side of things. Um, and the, 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 the person who, Zoe, uh, well, yeah, I I immediately think of Zoe, by the way, Zoe, if you are listening, put down the baby and, uh, contact me. (laughs) Zoe, I think is pretty busy with, uh, her new baby. Congratulations. Congrats, Zoe. She's moved to Holland, so she's got to like pick up a whole new language now. <laughs> um, although they speak English pretty good over there in Holland, but um, yeah. So uh, you know, if you're in information security and you you know you always thought you might write a book, then maybe talk to me. <laughs> but yeah, that that's I'm thinking about it. I haven't completely sold myself on the idea, and more importantly, I haven't sold O'Reilly on the idea. Gotcha. Um, and, but I think I could I think I could write it pretty quick. Yeah. Right. Um, like I don't want to write a big book. I want to write a small, very digestible Focused. book yeah. that probably s- sells for half the price of the other book. Um, you know, the joke that I wrote last time, the joke I made when I wrote using SANS and NAS. So the Unix backup and recovery was 700 pages uh-huh. and it was like $50. Yeah. And then using SANS and NAS was 250 pages and it was like $30 or something. And uh, my joke was like, next book, it's going to be like 75 pages, yeah. <laughs> but this one actually probably could be, yeah, you know, a much smaller book. These are the things that you really want to make sure that you're doing, um, yeah. to protect yourself from ransomware. Yep. Um, but, uh, and it's a, you know, partly a focus on the things that you should probably be doing anyway, from an information security yep. perspective, but then also here are the things that from a data protection spec data protection perspective that you can do to, to help you, you know, to help if you do get infected. Yeah. Right. Like um, I remember the, um, the podcast number 96 with Tony Mendoza from Spectra where the yeah. ransomware victim tells his story and learning a lot about when you get hit with ransomware, it isn't necessarily about the recovery aspects. It's right. more about the identification, stopping yeah. the bleeding, identifying, yeah. and just having a process in place. And the restore is the easy part. Yeah, easy part absolutely. relative. Yeah, relatively speaking. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you had a good backup, it's easy. Yep. But, uh, well, anyway, well, thanks for 
Let me no, chat through this. Um, no worry. Uh, congratulations, by the way, on the book. Oh, and thanks. I hope our listeners go get the book. It is a great book. Being one of the tech editors, I have to say, I even learned a lot. Even having been in the space for so long, right, there were still pieces that you can learn from reading the book. So definitely go read it. Send us some comments if you have feedback, etc. Let us know. But congratulations, Curtis. Well, thanks. And, uh, and thanks. Um, to the listeners, and remember to subscribe so that you can restore it all. There was a file, but I deleted it. Too bad your backup system isn't worth a spit. Finally, I needed your backup. You had a chance to fix it, instead it's all jacked up. See, I Right on Facebook about you. Don't underestimate the things that I will do. There was a file, but I deleted it. Too bad your backup system isn't worth the space. Maybe one day it'll all work out. You're sure so.